This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're fostering creativity in episode number 123. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com. Today, we are going to talk about helping our preschoolers play alone, develop creativity, ingenuity, resourcefulness, all kinds of good things that we really want to see in our children. I've been absent for a couple weeks. If you're listening to the podcast in the future, you won't notice, but if you're listening live, you will. Things have just been pretty crazy, but uh, I've getting back into it. And I've also gotten a lot of great suggestions for the podcast over the past couple weeks. So look forward to some of the topics that I have upcoming, including uh, how to include your toddlers and chore times. I'm going to do a series on VBAC. So if you have any questions in particular on either of those topics, you can shoot me an email, Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com, especially if you've got questions about VBAC, because I'd love to make the series really comprehensive, and hopefully I'll have that ready for you in a few weeks. Otherwise, another thing that I'm hoping to do is get back into the Q&A podcast that I had started last year and things just got crazy with uh, with helping my parents and, and working with my own family. But I'd like to relaunch that and that's the Just Ask Kristen podcast. And on that podcast, the intention is to answer a question about a particular topic. On this podcast, I do tend to cover a particular topic per episode, but with the Just Ask Kristen, the hope is that it's a, a little bit of a shorter podcast, and it's really focused on one question or one topic that a parent has about pregnancy, birth, baby, or what's going on with your toddler. So if you have something that you can think of for that, and you don't mind having your question read on the air, then you can go ahead and shoot that over to me at Kristen at naturalbirthandbabycare.com because I'd like to get that rolling again too. My goal is to have a couple of episodes of that coming out soon on things like uh, creating a bedtime routine, when to take a pregnancy test, and other fun topics like that. With that, let's go ahead and switch into our topic for today which is encouraging preschoolers to play alone. I have already done a podcast on teaching your toddler to have an alone time. And there are many similarities. So listening to that podcast episode, it's episode 65. So you should be able to go to birthbabylife.com slash 065. That's birthbabylife.com slash 065. And get to that podcast and you can listen to that and some of it will sound familiar if you listen through today's episode but you might get some tips especially if you're working with a younger one because many of the principles to teaching your toddler to play alone also apply with your preschooler one of the big things i think that is similar is you start with baby steps in the same way though you may not have to start with quite so baby of a step. So when you're starting with a toddler or even an older baby, so we're talking about a nine-month-old maybe to, you know, through the toddler years, you would probably start if they've never been one. Some babies will happily sit alone and uh, look at a mobile even from the start or look at themselves in a mirror or just chill out and take in the world by themselves for a little bit, but a lot of other babies don't. So if your baby is one of those that doesn't, that's used to being in arms all the time, 
and they've gotten to be a little older and you want them to learn that skill, which is a good skill, then you often start with, you know, five minutes or maybe 10 minutes, really baby, baby steps. With a preschooler, you probably don't need to use that level of baby steps, like five minutes, because your preschooler is older, more verbal, they understand you talking to them more, but you can measure what works for for you and your little one. Now, there are some differences in the way that an alone time between, say, toddlers or an older baby or a toddler and preschoolers. With, with an older baby or a toddler, once you've gotten alone times to where they're working, about a half an hour is a good period of time. And actually, I think that's pretty much the same for a preschooler because beyond that, they tend to get, uh, they start exploring, which sometimes results in mischief. But with a, an older baby or a toddler, that half an hour is probably good for, say, an entire morning. And they may be able to have a half an hour in the afternoon as well, after nap time. For some kids that works, some kids it doesn't. Some kids, because they were often taken an hour or even a two-hour nap. And some kids just really need that you time from that point on because they've already been away from you for that nap. Other kids are fine having some time to connect with you after the nap, maybe have a snack, some time with mom, and then maybe while you get supper started, they can do another half an hour alone time. So with toddlers, I like to think a half an hour in the morning, maybe a half an hour in the afternoon, but then they really need time with you or shadowing you, kind of following you around, which is what we'll talk about when I do the chore podcast, uh, or they need time, you know, with an older sibling or a mother's helper or somebody else who's really, who's really devoted to them or a completely different kind of activity, like going outside where they might play independently while you're able to, to get some reading done or some writing or something. But still it's, it's not that, that alone time, that intentional time when they're alone and know that, oh, we can't, I'm not going to run up to mom five times to ask her, watch me, watch me, watch me. With a preschooler, you can probably have more of those times, especially in the morning. I feel like it's it's plausible to have an alone time, similar to what you would plan for your toddler, where they're in a, in a place, a safe place, and they have perhaps an activity that, that goes for that day of the week, or perhaps you have a rotating activity bins, you know, you have, you have a list and they can choose, I want to do this activity today, but that's what they're doing. You could probably also add into their day like an arts and crafts time. I would think through this because again, you the emphasis is that you want this time to be more of an alone time. You want it to be something that they can do. So this is where you think through what are art and craft supplies that are inexpensive and easy for them to get out and put away on their own. And then they have that 30 minutes where they're going to work with those things and then they're going to clean up on their own. Now that takes some teaching. All of this takes some teaching. Don't assume that you're going to give your child this little bin of whatever those supplies are and say, okay, take them out, clean them up. And that's going to be that. You're going to have to teach them across a few days all right, these are the things that you can do. This is what's okay. This is what's not um, to facilitate that. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But when we're talking about a preschooler, they could have an alone time where they have something they're going to play with. They could have this 
art and craft kind of time where they're occupied. So that's an hour of their time in the morning. Maybe not back to back, but an hour of time total that you don't have to be right there supervising. Or even if, say, for the arts and crafts time, you feel like you need to keep a watchful eye. You know, you're working at one end of the table writing or writing a blog post or working on a craft project and they're working at their end of the table kind of thing on theirs, it's still time that you can get a lot done. And you would be amazed at how much you can get done in 30 minutes a day consistently. It's pretty amazing for a parent. And then again, a preschooler kid could do, they they probably take a shorter nap. Maybe some days they aren't having a nap. And so they can have a quiet time in the afternoon, which is more of a reading time. And then possibly, again, based upon your child's temperament and needs for for that socialization and connection, maybe another alone time in the afternoon. Again, giving you a block or perhaps giving you time to rest. Maybe you're pregnant with a new sibling and you need to rest in the afternoon or you just need some quiet downtime again in the afternoon before the evenings, which are often a little more challenging. So preschooler, this concept works very well and can even be expanded. And that's one of the big differences. So let's talk a little bit um, about, you know, what is an alone time and why do we want to have it? And think about do, do our child need structure all the time? So in the American paradigm of preschool, especially once we get to the preschool years, that paradigm is that um, our child is structured from morning till night and they have adult guidance from morning till night. And in general, it's fostering early learning experiences from morning till night. That's what it is. And is that what we want for our children? Do we want them to need that all the time? Now, kids are very different. Some children are going to be much more motivated to to create their own structure if there's not structure. I'm a, I'm a pretty structured person. And even as a child, I liked to create routines and things for myself, even if I didn't always stick to them. In my mind, I would plan out these routines that you know, this is how I'm going to achieve my childish goal. Essentially, some children are like that. Other children and adults are much more free spirits. They're not as structured. Um, but but basically, what, what we don't want, regardless of what extreme or if somewhere in the middle, what we don't want is for our children to need external structure all the time because we want to give them some freedom of expression, some freedom, some time to be spontaneous and more of a free spirit if that's what we need. We want to give them some time to create their own structure for the day if that's what they need or wherever they are in between those things. Uh, so we want to move away from that. And also when we look at the American paradigm of learning experiences back to back, structured, thought out, planned from morning till night, the fruit of that approach has not has not really borne out to be good fruit. And that's something that's very important for us to look at too with our children is that, you know, this approach just hasn't really worked to foster um, independent thinkers, problem solvers, creativity, and that sort of thing. So we want to think about that. Where is creativity fostered? Where is problem solving fostered? And adults can definitely help facilitate these things. But a lot of where children 
uh, innovate and and learn to trust themselves, learn to think of creative solutions, learn to honor themselves, who they are and how they function in the world is in that time that's a little bit more unstructured. Because really what creates success for a person, when you think about it, I mean, there are some basics to success. Children need to be able to do math. They need to be able to read. But when we think about terribly strongly structured academics and what gifts do those give kids, really, it's not about ABCs. It's not really about one, two, threes. It's more about being creative. It's about being able to think. It's about being able to imagine and to to do something, to do something with themselves, to do something to create changes in the world. We want children who grow up to innovate, to help solve the problems in the world. I was doing some research for my my daughter recently, my oldest daughter, as she's, you know, she's going into the 10th grade and it, her eyes are really pointed towards her future at this point, which is very understandable and but there's you know she's she's still she's 15 she's in the 10th grade there are still a lot of questions what does the future look like for me what do I want to do with myself and one of the things as I was looking at advice from other moms who have already raised children through this place one of the pieces of advice was to ask her you know what problem do you want to solve what problem is there in the world that you want to be a part of the solution for and i thought that was really cool and that's probably you know that's on a teenage level or once we're moving into later elementary school when children start start to hit the idealism stages really but we want to foster the ability to think outside the box and be creative even with our preschoolers and our toddlers and so boredom, it breeds creativity in, in our kids. And, um, and you know, a little risk in our children's lives is a good thing. Now, I mean, there are caveats to that. Of course, you're the parent. You're going to create some level of safety for your children. You're going to watch them. But it's interesting. I was watching a documentary on the difference between the American preschool model and the European preschool model. And they were talking about this German insurance company that had done studies and determined that children who took more risks on the playground grew up to have a lower rate of injury and insurance claims and everything that goes along with it as adults, which is really interesting. So they, this German insurance company has actually been working with playground designers to help create playgrounds that foster children taking a little bit more risk. So of course we want to keep our kids safe for major injuries, but at the same time being willing to to be outgoing, to be creative, to take risks and those sorts of things um, are, you know, those are really good for our kids. So we need, you know, and this is the kind of thing that goes into um, this alone time for our preschoolers, having an arts and crafts time, even fostering an outside time where you're not right there helicoptering on your parent that or on your child, excuse me. That's why I mentioned earlier, you might you might have some outdoor times where you're reading a book or writing or something. You're close by, but you're not focused on your child and you're certainly not right there watching your child climb all over everything. You're you're giving them the chance to do this, to take 
to take some of these risks, to do some of these creative things, to get kind of dirty, to experiment and to play. So, and we want, as parents, I think one thing we need to do is we need to let go of the guilt. And I, I feel like this is a culture-wide shift that needs to happen in the United States. From what I understand, it doesn't necessarily need to happen in other cultures. But we've gotten to this place where we feel like parenting is a 24-7, all-hands-on-deck, completely hands-on thing. Many of us remember growing up that it wasn't that way, especially in the summer times. You know, we remember our parents letting us roam, or even when we were little from when our earliest memories form that our parents were letting us roam with our friends and or with older siblings I can remember um, when we lived in when we lived in Georgia before my family moved which we moved when I was seven about to turn eight so I was a pretty young kid and I have memories from that time of just kind of roaming we didn't roam the entire neighborhood it was more roaming up and down our street but roaming up and down the street with with a gang of friends and there was a cul-de-sac at the end that the cul-de-sac was it kind of went up a hill and so we would start at the top of the cul-de-sac in our wagon and race down the hill and have to make this this turn onto the main road and the main neighborhood road it's it wasn't like a main highway or anything but um, you know, just careening wildly down there. And, and I, my mom had bought me this pair of sneakers and I couldn't figure out how to stop the wagon. And so I put my feet down to act as brakes and that pavement for, or the asphalt from the road just took the sole basically off one of my shoes. My foot was okay, but my mom was not happy with me. You know, those sorts of memories many of us have and memories of just just being free to be us and there may have been parents nearby watching from a distance but you know oftentimes they were they were doing their things we would spend summers sometimes on one of my friends grandmas had a had a little place on a lake and so their family would invite our family to come and it was a little community so there were lots of kids and we would kind of roam around that little community while the parents were all gathered on somebody's deck you know, grilling burgers and and hot dogs and having a good time. And we were just, you know, we were just doing our thing. Nobody was following along behind us. And again, those memories are from when I was very young because those memories are from before we moved. So most of you probably remember a different way of parenting. And I don't think it's necessarily an irresponsible way of parenting. Maybe some of you do have experiences in your past that really were neglectful and you really do want to be different, but it was very different. And I feel like when we look at other cultures, especially those of you listening in Europe um, or maybe Australia, New Zealand, I I feel like things are different there too. You could weigh in, let me know, are are things more similar to what us American parents remember from when we were young? Because I, I feel like they probably are. Whereas today in the United States, it's all very helicopter parenting. And if you try and let your child be more free and you're not in a rural country setting like, you know, like Scott and I have chosen to be in for our kids, really, you get called out even to the point of of having child protective services called on you, which is kind of kind of scary to think that. CPS wants us to keep our children inside all the time, entertained with, I don't know what, video games or endless academic workbooks, instead of letting them be out in the fresh air, walking a block or two to a playground. 
kind of thing. There's been parents who have been arrested for letting their kids do that, which is ridiculous. And maybe you're not going to let your two-year-old do that. Maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable with your four-year-old, but, you know, at six years old, even five years old, five and six-year-olds walked to school. When I was a kid, you know, kindergartners, first graders, they walk, they walked to school and mom probably walked them the first few times and maybe continued to walk them up to the crossing guard. But, you know, really, these kids walked to school because that's what they did. And kids certainly, you know, manage walking to a playground. So that's what we're thinking about when we're thinking about our preschoolers and the time that we want to give them. And that's another big change, I feel, between the toddler alone times and the preschooler alone times is you might continue to have some assigned toys, but it's probably not quite so assigned with your toddler. Every Monday they may play with this, and every Tuesday they may play with this. And with your preschooler, I think it's maybe better to have a list, and they choose from the list. I still think the idea of novelty is a good one. So during this time of day, you get to play with cool toys that you wouldn't get to play with at other times. But let them choose, and the toys may may be toys that you want to be able to foster creativity in them. Um, so Legos and things are kind of an all-the-time toy at our house for older kids. They can pull them out. But there may be some that that you want to, you know, that you want to keep for them um, that are along those lines, just those more creative toys. Or like I said, the art supplies. Or, okay, this is going to be your outside time and you're, you know, you're kind of going to be able to go outside and, and do your own thing. And you'll measure part of this by your child's personality but you let go of the guilt that it's somehow selfish for you to want to have your child have these times without you being right there I hope that I've already convinced you that really it's not selfish at all it's very good for your very good for your children Um, and and remember too that you need to step out of the entertainer role and into the mom role so the mom role um is to, to, to set up boundaries, to be firm when you need to be, but really you're facilitating who your child is as a person and you're facilitating them growing to be an innovative problem solver. And so I would say leader, I think some kids definitely, we want to help encourage all children to leadership. But again, just like some kids are naturally more spontaneous and free spirits and some kids are naturally going to create their own structures for everything, Um, and some kids are going to be in the middle. Some kids are going to be leaders, and some kids are not going to be leaders. But what we want to teach all of our children is to be problem solvers. And if if your child isn't a leader, you know, think about all the superheroes out there who have a sidekick. You know, they have a loyal companion or an assistant who juggles everything. Um, You know, your child might be in that position, and those tendencies will come out. But what you want to encourage them Uh, is to be creative. How can I help to be part of solutions? What part can I play? And they won't necessarily find that right away when they're preschoolers, but we want to start giving them that ability to start learning about themselves and to start experimenting with their own interests and things like that very early on. We want to step out of that helicopter role. We don't want to hover. We want to let our child be. We want to let them explore and grow. Again, part of being a mom is having firm boundaries. But within those boundaries, our child's allowed a lot of freedom. I mean, we can think about this in a literal sense. 
like I talked about my neighborhood when I was a little kid, you know, my parents didn't really want us going all the way down our street, which is a pretty long street. We lived at the end of it going all the way down our street to the main neighborhood road and then following that along to all the nooks and crannies. Though, if we had stayed in that particular neighborhood, I could see as we got older that, you know, that that would have been okay with my parents for us to kind of roam more of the neighborhood. But, you know, that street, along that street and the two or three cul-de-sacs that came off of it, that was our domain and we could explore there. And also my, you know, my mom knew, our, our moms knew that they could go out and holler for us. And if we were on that street, we could probably hear them and come and running. So that's a very literal way to think about this. And there are going to be other boundaries that you have for your children. For example, you don't treat other people in an unkind way. And they know that if they overstep that boundary, you're going to step in. Or it could be something like, your art set has finger paints. If I find that you finger painted my ceiling, we are going to have a problem. You know, there will be some boundaries, but within those boundaries, you can fingerprint or finger paint 16 different pages today if you really want to. That's fine. Just don't finger paint my ceiling or my walls or my chairs, you know, or if you accidentally do smudge something on the chairs, you're going to clean it up. You know, that's a firm boundary, but within that boundary, your child has a lot of freedom to explore and grow. I've got you this Lego set. You can build it exactly like the box says. You can build anything you want out of it. You can't, you know, destroy the Legos or throw them across the room or whatever, but you can do whatever you want, like within the bounds of acceptable behavior. You can't plant Legos in the bed for me to lay down on at night unsuspectingly and have all those little things like pins and needles, you know, I'm, and I'm being a little bit ridiculous here. But you get the picture. You have boundaries to keep your child safe. And they may be physical limits on roaming. They may be behavioral things. We don't paint mom's ceilings or floor or chair. But within that, your child is given a lot of freedom to explore and be creative. So again, you know, we've talked about some of the differences are really how do you know, how do you structure that time for a preschooler as opposed to a toddler? And I think that leaving it less structured for a preschooler is a good thing. Leaving it more open-ended for them, maybe with a few choices and um or even talking with them, going and doing some exploring at a toy store or looking through a craft book or an activity book for what kinds of things can we do. Maybe your child isn't really into crafting or something, but your preschooler would think it was really fun to do some basic kitchen, you know, some kitchen science experiments. And are there some of those that your child could do safely? So, you know, for this 30 minutes, I'm putting you with a box of baking soda and a jug of vinegar by the kitchen sink. And let them explore and play as long as it's something relatively safe. You know, vinegar and baking soda are both pretty safe. So there, there are different things that you can explore and you can look at your child's interests and be creative there. But give them a little bit more leeway and a little bit, a little bit more room. Again, you want to make sure that they stay safe. I hope by preschool age, the need to baby-proof to... A huge extent is is done and over with, but you still want them to be in a safe space and you want to set boundaries. So 
If you are going to have this time in your room, that doesn't mean that you can yank everything out of your drawers and throw it everywhere. If you get bored, what are you going to do? And that's something that you and your preschooler can think through. So you're, you know, your three to four year old, that's kind of the age that we're talking about. If you get bored with the activity that you've picked out, what are you going to do? So you may have a, a basket of books that's in there for them. You may have coloring books or a favorite toy that they always enjoy playing with is there. You can, you know, you can clean up this toy that you're bored with and do this. But and another boundary that you can have is you're not going to come bother mommy. So this is what you're going to do if you get bored. But you can't tear up. You can't get into mischief. Because for 30 minutes, they should be able to handle that. And there can be a couple of other options and those can be consistent from time to time so the coloring books and the basket of books to read are are always there it doesn't you don't have to change that up every time and if there's a favorite activity that they could do you know a few days a week they can choose that a few days a week that's their prerogative some kids are going to want to do you know when I was a kid I played with Legos over and over and over and over again and some kids are like that other kids like again being more spontaneous and and the excitement of choosing something different each time honor my six-year-old to her the excitement of choosing something different each day and being told okay you get to choose it's like you can just see like her delight beaming all over the place Uh, even though you know she's choosing from a selection of toys that are always in the closet but the fun of being able to choose today's toy And what am I going to pick today is just so much fun for her. Whereas Corwin, my four-year-old, for him, it's, uh, he, he picks the same things over and over and over again. It's, and it's like, it's not this serious delight. He's much more matter of fact. I want to play with the magnet toys and that's what he wants to play with. And whereas Honor is like basically quivering with joy to pick something. So it's, you know, kids are just different. So you'll, you'll learn for your child uh, and what works for them and what things are interesting for them. And you can keep your eye out in, in like kids activity books. Um, I haven't taken family fun in a long time, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's probably still out there. The magazine family fun often has lots of easy to do crafts that are really fun. And, um, and I should probably subscribe to that magazine again for, for my kids, actually. But, you know, you might get some ideas like flipping through or paging through a magazine like that. And just, you know, just inspiring that creativity and giving them that room. And then again, talking about the outside time. So we talked about kind of setting up a craft time. And again, I would think through it, you know, my craft bucket is going to be stocked with washable paints and glue sticks that can wash off. And, you know, my child has some, you can give them some boundaries. You need to, there's a little smock in here. You need to put on the smock or the old t-shirt over your clothes. And one of the things that we have that I feel like was a great investment, I bought them when my oldest three were little and they've been used countless times uh, throughout you know probably they're probably 10 years old at least but they're painting boards so they're just these big big boards on one side of them it's more of a flat glossy surface the other side it's uh it's a little bit of a rougher surface but the you know the glossy side is really nice for if they want to want to paint with watercolor or, or finger paint or something and the other side is okay you know, if they're just coloring on thicker paper. But those, they're really big. Um, I'm looking at them right now. They're kind of stowed away in my bedroom by our craft chest. But, um, you know, they're, 
I would say probably 36 by 24 inches at least. So they're pretty big so that the kids can lay them on the table and then put a big piece of paper on them and not have to worry so much like if I'm coloring and it goes over the edge of my paper, or if I'm painting and it goes over the edge of my paper. It's just the painting board or the craft board that gets messy. So that could be something that you do. Or maybe you have them put down um, newsprint or something else on the surface. So the, this is something you have to teach. So remember, when you have boundaries, you need to teach your child the boundaries. You're going to wear the smock each time. You put the painting board down. This is how we get these things out. This is how we put these things away. You can't expect your child to do that unless you teach. And these are the boundaries and habits that are good. Learning how to clean up after myself is good. Learning how to be respectful of my family's property, of my mom's property, of other people's property. These are good life lessons for our kids. And it might be if you decide to let your child be able to play outside alone, and again, that's going to depend on where you are and your situation, but you know these are the boundaries where you can go, and you're going to need to really watch your child. Some kids have a harder time with boundaries like that. Some of them understand boundaries like that. And so you judge your child again, but this, you know, this is where you go. For example, you don't leave our backyard, you don't leave our property or like my mom, you know, you play on our street, but you don't cross the main neighborhood road to the other half of the street. You don't go on the main neighborhood road. You play on our street and the little cul-de-sacs that come off our street and that's it. And that's, to my knowledge, that's where we played. The only time I can remember crossing to the other side, even of our street, crossing the main neighborhood road to the other side of our street was with my mom. So, you know, that was a boundary that we knew. And for the most part, we actually stayed like kind of on our half of our side of the street with the last two cul-de-sacs just pretty close. Part of that's because that's where all of us lived. But, you know, just zooming back and forth between those two cul-de-sacs and then in our backyards and we explored some in the woods. Another thing to remember with kids too, especially if they're playing in like a kid group or with older siblings, is they often have boundaries in their mind that they don't go outside of. And you can watch carefully to see, you know, how far does my child press? When do they naturally come back? So working with these times with a preschooler is mostly intentionally deciding that we're going to have them. If your child has never had that opportunity to play alone, to be alone, to be creative, to have to occupy themselves, you can you can expect some growing pains. Oh, mom, I'm so bored. Or, oh, I just want to be with you. Or, I don't like this. I don't want to do this kind of thing. And you can persist and build up, say you want to start with just the one. Maybe you do feel like, okay, I need to start with, you're going to sit here, I'm going to give you this, you know, this Lego set, let's play with it for 10 minutes. Or um, like Honor loves to play with American Girl dolls, which technically she's a little bit young for the American Girl doll recommended age of eight, but she does well. But you know, so we're going to play with the dolls for 10 minutes or the trucks for 10 minutes or you're going to, you know, I'm going to give you these coloring and painting supplies. Let's do 10 minutes today kind of thing. Or I'm going to let you make bubbles in the sink for 10 minutes. Now that one might end up, you know, they, they love it when they start it. And make sure that you've bought a little bottle of dish soap that is particularly for them to make bubbles because you might find all your dish soap gone or measure out the amount that they're allowed to use and make sure that they know they better not touch that bigger bottle. 
Um, but you know, you may have to baby step up to it and, and give them encouragement. You know, even if you're bored, that's okay. You can be creative. We've given you some books and there's some pencils or some colored pencils and some paper or some crayons you can draw. I don't tend to give my kids markers. I don't like markers. Personally, for me, they use markers for crafts at the library, but not so much at home. But other craft supplies I'll give my kids. So, you know, you can encourage them and over time they will work on it. Be sensitive to them. If after a half an hour they're done, they need they need time with you or at least close to you, sure, that's great. Give them that. Don't expect them to occupy themselves all morning long. But I think that you might become surprised that as you incorporate these little pockets of time to themselves within the day, that they do grow more creative and they learn a lot during these times. Those times don't necessarily always have to be super structured. This episode has been more about, I guess, kind of the theory and giving you a picture, maybe a vision of what this can look like for your child rather than a super concrete, this is how it's going to be. For my own kids, it looks really different. Like I said, I've got kids with really different temperaments and and you want to honor that. For my own children, another thing that is part of their days are playtimes with each other. So where they they are kind of assigned to be one-on-one with a sibling, those times are also pretty open and flowing. My baseline boundary for those times is, you know, it's the same boundaries as, as every time you need to get out and clean up after yourselves. But my base guideline is you as the older sibling choose to do what the younger sibling wants to do during this time. That's not a guideline for all the rest of the time during the day, you know, when my kids might be playing in a less structured way. But when we're talking about the day-to-day routine during the school year, when, okay, you, Galen, are going to play with Corwin from 9 to 9.30 because mama needs to be doing um, writing with with another child or needs to be reviewing schoolwork with another child, then the guideline is, is that Galen, you favor what Corwin wants to do. If you and Corwin are outside later on and you guys want to play a game and Galen is going to dictate everything that happens in that game and Corwin wants to go along with it, that's fine with me. You know, but my guideline for when I've assigned a time for an older sibling to play with a younger sibling is that we go with what you know, with what the younger sibling wants to do. Now, if I have two that are really close together, then I might not say that. But for sure, when it's like, you know, when it's a pretty big gap, like four years between Galen and Corwin, we're going to honor what the younger sibling wants to do because your job really is to keep the younger sibling happy so that mama can can do lessons with somebody else. Um, you know, and then there may be times, so there may be times when this looks more structured, like our craft baskets and things. That's a school year thing. In the summertime, our days are less structured. And and so there there's more freedom. But one of the things that having at least that structured time, this is one of the reasons I think... Uh, like toddler alone times are a good idea and a more structured rhythm and routine for toddlers is because they learn to be able to have that time and enjoy that time and they're comforted by the structure. And then as they grow and you move into like, you know, I've got a preschooler, it's the summer. I want them to be freer and able to play more and maybe have a little bit less structure to the day. They feel more comfortable with that and they know a little bit more of what to do with themselves. Um, for my kids in the summertime, a lot of that time is spent outside and I really don't regulate that much at all. Other than there are some overarching guidelines, you guys don't go pull things out of the pole barn. 
you know, you need to stay safe, you stay within these boundaries, and you, you need to clean up after yourself, or at least we try and clean up um, around the playground. We have a, you know, we have a little swing set fort kind of thing, and, you know, you, we try and clean that area up once a week or so when I go out there and notice, oh my gosh, all the things from the sandbox are scattered halfway across the yard. Let's clean all those up. And this, that, and the other thing has made its way out of the house when it's not really supposed to be an outside toy. Those times happen and we do that cleanup, but it's, it's more unstructured and they do really well. A difference that I've noticed between my younger kids and my older ones is that I feel like my younger kids are better at open-ended creative play, whereas my older kids really struggled with that. And I think that one of the reasons is that they've just had more opportunity for open-ended creative play without, um, you know, without really having to be kind of kept close all the time because where I was living with my older three when they were really little, I had to to keep closer tabs. It wasn't a safest space for them to be able to run and play and do whatever. Um, and another thing that I think is, you know, just seeing older siblings now who, who do that better, still not as great, but having that, you know, that example. Um, so anyways, those are just some thoughts for how do we facilitate alone time for preschoolers? What does that look like? You know, it can be the alone time inside with an activity, more of a craft time or a simple, safe science experiment time. Uh, or something like an outside time that's more unstructured. So those are always, and a quiet time. I mentioned that too. I didn't go into a lot of detail on that. But that would be a time that's meant to start to come during the traditional nap time as preschoolers move away from naps. It's still a time when we're, you know, we're going to sit in a quiet place, maybe on the couch or on a pallet on the floor or in bed, and we're going to read books and maybe maybe we'll draw and color. Maybe we'll listen to an audio book, but it's going to be a quiet time. So that's another thing. So preschoolers, there can start to be a lot of variation. And the time may still be a time that's scheduled or about the same time in the routine, but within that time, they're much more free to be creative and to make their own choices, and it's just really very good for them. So with that, we will finish up. If you're interested in more ideas for how we can practically make these things part of, of the lives of our older babies, of our toddlers, of our preschoolers, even how can we lay these foundations with our baby? Um, how do we make this work for a whole family? Maybe we have multiple kids. How do we make this work for multiple kids? Or any other questions, how do I make my life work? How do I maximize the time? That's the kind of thing that we talk about in the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club every week. We talk about everything from standard parenting questions like, my kid won't sleep, Kristen. How do I get my kid to go to sleep? To how do I make a routine work? How do I make a routine work when my life feels crazy and chaotic or when I'm working? Um, how do I do this? How do I feel confident as a parent when everybody's second guessing me? All those kinds of questions and more. We do book studies on parenting books. We're finishing up a book now about the early years from a Charlotte Mason perspective, and we're going to start more of a Waldorf perspective book. We have a Montessori book in the archives um, and also a book on, on training for good habits uh, that like helping our children become empathetic and courteous and kind and considerate right from the get-go is a really cool book to go through. So all kinds of book studies. I'm open to suggestions for book studies. We do a weekly Q&A call. We do special classes on all kinds of topics. Basically, mamas let me know what they want and we cover everything from pregnancy, birth, parenting, 
babyhood, toddlerhood, even preschoolers. Sometimes we talk about topics like how do I get ready for homeschooling or how do I pick the right daycare, all of those kinds of things and more. It's really where we just talk about parenting and being a mom, taking care of ourselves as a mom and helping our children thrive and grow. It's a lot of fun. It's targeted to exactly what the moms in the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club need. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, check it out at smartmamahappybaby.com. That's smartmamahappybaby.com. If you just want to keep up with the latest updates for me, get tips, tricks, techniques, all kinds of fun things for your pregnancy, for your natural birth, or for your baby, you can head over to trustbirth101.com and sign up for the newsletter. I usually send a little tip out every day or so on the weekdays, but that's trustbirth101.com. And with that, I will talk to you next week and hope that you have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.